I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago street course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Welcome to Guys We Fuck. Hello, fuckers. How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Guys We Fucked. It's the anti-slut-shaming podcast. I'm Corinne Fisher. I'm Christina Hutchinson. Uh, welcome to the show. You know the drill by now. If you haven't Get watched online. that comedy special, you're going to go to guy- youtube.com slash guys we fucked without the you and fucked. And you're going to press play when the video comes up of me and Christina. And you're going to laugh your ass off. Mm-hmm, and we're mm-hmm, going to keep mm-hmm. saying this until yeah. we hit the number of views that we want to hit. Yeah. And you don't know what that is. So, so, so this could go on forever. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And it probably will. So get used to it, baby. Help us spread the word. Uh, and if you are a Luminary subscriber, you already know this. But if you're not, you get two extra bonus episodes of Guys We Fucked per month. All available only for Luminary subscribers. I love these episodes. We fucking, we go through our inbox. We take the craziest emails. And we also save a lot of our personal stuff for those episodes. Because, you know, it's a niche audience feels more safe for us. So if you're not yet a Luminary subscriber, highly recommend it. Yes, absolutely. And if you ha- you're you an independent musician, uh, but, you know, don't suck. Uh, send your, yeah. your music <laughs> yeah. to GWF. 
<laughs> yeah. Have you ever gotten a bad submission? Sure. All oh, the time. really? Yeah, 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 yeah. You like, get them all the time. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, 100%. but they tried. But, but you don't, honestly, and you don't play them, right? No. Okay, no, no, thank no, no, you. No. Yeah. There's some. Well, there's some that that definitely like. I'll be like, I dig this. So hopefully this. Yeah. Works, <laughs> but they're different sounding. Mike likes a, a whispery folk song. A mousey. I do. Yeah, and I love an electronic like dancey. You know, that's, okay. we, we get a lot of those that I, I think that end up on the show too. Well, that's yeah. because I think when you, you Guys, know, you're creating on a computer because if you don't have the money for instruments, right? As an independent artist, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. But so, send them to me. Yeah, so it's a GWF podcast music at gmail.com. You'll be talking to Mike mm. and you need a streaming link and then an MP3. Yeah, mm -hmm. so if you're going to send more than one song for sub, uh, submission, just send an MP3 of everything that you're sending just so I can actually download it and. Put it Yay. Into the, yeah. You got you know how to use computers, guys. Yeah, you got it. You guys are all young. You can figure it out. And if you want to email us at sorry about last night's show at gmail.com, make that subject line descriptive. This week's subject line is would it be that bad? It's about suicide. Mm. Hi, Corinne and oh, Christina. No. I go on. Oh, the subject's about. Oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it would. Yeah. <laughs> I could go on forever about how much joy you and Guys We Fucked has given me for many years. Well, Not then enough. All, all, <laughs> I was going to say, already you've like found a reason to live. Right. Yeah, exactly. Every Friday. Come on. Never missed an episode. Um, after I catch up on each week's new episode, I go through old episodes oh. and I'm listening through for probably the third or fourth time, and it is the best part of my day that's oh okay that's bad news yeah that's not great um i've also thank you. <laughs> seen you live as much as possible when Aww. i lived in dc and now in philadelphia and your yeah. comedy special was amazing thank you uh, i'm so appreciative you released it to us for free don't get me wrong i would have paid for it but it means a lot to me that you produce so much free content but think because i think everyone needs a little guys we fucked i can't thank you enough well, that's very nice that's what happens nice. when no one wants to buy it you know <laughs> um <laughs> they're like oh chris is no well let's call you anyway. <laughs> Real congrats, Chris. No, yeah, it's awesome. Uh, no, he's amazing. Yeah. Um, I have had suicidal ideation. Uh, what's that? Uh, that's just the abbreviation for oh, parentheses. I, I, I thought you, you thought you were saying C. Well, I just was like, yes, or some kind of a warning. I was like, oh. I don't know what this warning means. <laughs> uh, I've had suicidal ideation since the fourth grade, age nine, when 9 11 happened, and ah. I saw that man jumping from the towers and thought, I oh, wish no. that was me. Yeah. Oh, oh, no. That's a fucked up image to see, especially for a nine-year-old. Way to make 9-11 about you. True, um, true. Didn't think of that part. <laughs> I didn't understand why I felt this way at the time, but it was very upsetting for nine-year-old me. Also, I used to pray asking God, in quotes, uh, to not wake me up in the morning. I have been in and out of hospitals, residential programs, day programs, after work mm. programs, group therapy, and individual therapy, and I take 11 pills a day, which are all psych meds, yet suicidal ideation is still very prevalent in my life. I always gave myself goals like I will kill myself before I turn 18. That's no, not no, a goal. No, 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 no. That's not a goal. A when suicide is a terrible goal. Don't call it a goal. That's call a it a fucking terrible goal. A mental crisis. Uh, or uh, before I graduate college, which means a lot of life's milestones uh, are, are will be very upsetting for me. Over the past few years, I would continually comfort myself with I will be dead by the time I turn 30. But now I'm 29 and my birthday is in June. Nice. I've tried hard in treatment to get myself to a place where suicidal ideation isn't ru ruining and running my life, uh, but I haven't been successful. I just wish I could really explain to people why I'm doing this and why it is uh, best for me, but trying to reason with others just sends me back to the hospital. 
Why you're doing what? Why you're planning right. your suicide? Right. Okay. Because that, that's not best for you. Um. So many innocent people die every day, but why can't the people who want to die be taken instead? Well, because that would be too easy, my friend. Yeah. Uh, we're <laughs> here. Earth is a school. P.S. It's not supposed to be... Uh, Ponies and rainbows. Yeah, it's whatever lesson you're meant to learn. And yeah, many of us are failing. Yeah, unfortunately, drama, Aww. fucking drama queen over here. <laughs> fucking drama queen. <laughs> Literally, I'm not. I'm not going to say Air Mike's personal business, but he's currently talk about it, in a deep depression about something that hasn't even been proven true yet. Okay, oh. this is what we're working with oh, as women. Um, <laughs> as women, <laughs> I I don't really know why I'm writing this email. It's really hard for me to talk to my friends and family about this so i guess this is that's why i'm emailing you as mm. role models and neutral parties we're, we're not neutral we disagree with you yeah yes. i don't think it's a good idea to kill yourself All um yep. and chad also, ain't gonna argue with that yeah i've just been thinking a lot about my birthday in june and how, how i hope to be dead by then yeah it's also like a very it's, it's like also a very passive wishing you know right. what i'm saying like it's just like cut the shit um but i get very sad because i do not want to ruin anyone's life and i know it would destroy my mom and my best friend who has already lost a sibling to suicide uh i know other people would be sad but they would get over it and move on eventually right no no No. oh my gosh Um, i have a lot to say to you i believe if people could understand the pain i feel they they would be open to the thought of me taking my life no 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 nobody i'm laughing because no one absolutely no one is ever gonna be like yeah that's a good idea correct people would panic and be like what do we need to do to stop this yeah 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 Yeah, i mean also if they were okay with it they would they would have to go to court uh, because that's like Mm -hmm. a new thing where like if you okay someone's suicide you have to go to court oh geez um uh, uh, I have been experiencing suicidal ideation for about 20 years, and that's enough. You both have been my guides for the past five to six years, at least. I forget when I actually started listening, and you've gotten me through some tough times. Thank you for everything. Sincerely, okay. a loyal Philadelphia fucker. All right. Well, I mean, first thing fucker. I would do if I was having suicidal ideation is leave Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, that might be a good idea, honestly. <laughs> Get the hell out of Philly. That's step one. <laughs> right, right. Because why not try to help yourself, Right. Uh, I I almost wonder though. This kind of seems like an OCD looper. I I don't know. Like every, that, it's like that image of the guy falling from the tower, which is an extremely haunting image. Traumatic uh, as hell. I, I saw it when I was I was in eighth grade when nine eleven happened, and I I didn't see that stuff right away because the internet wasn't as like prevalent. But I saw it in high school and it fucked me up. <clears throat> uh, but is it possible to get like stuck on that and obsessed? Because it's basically mm. you have a record spinning in your head right now. Yeah, but it's not like that. It's not like OCD isn't so isn't it's isn't, consequential. isn't depression. Okay, it's anxiety. Um, it's so she, it just seems like she has anxiety different. about. Like, uh, I'm not going to be, de- I'm going to be dead by this time. I'm going to be dead by this time. I'm going to be dead by this time. Like, that seems. Right. Well, this, this to me, honestly, I'm going to be pretty harsh with you because nothing else has worked. So, I mean, mm. this seems like you're obsessed with, like, you're, it's like you're obsessed Victimizing? with your, Yeah. You're obsessed with yourself and your own demise and, like, oh, how sad everyone else will be. Li- give life a shot. It yeah. seems like you yeah. haven't done that. Yeah. That's what you haven't fucking done. And since you're writing to us, you obviously have some level of respect for us or just, you know, we get you through the day. So, you're obviously familiar with my brand of advice. And I'm mm-hmm. not going to sit here and be like, oh, live for live for your family, live for your best friend. Well, that's friend. not going to work. Just it's all you, bullshit. You've put in this much fucking work. Um, and you're and, a young woman. And to continuously, it's like you're continuously setting um, this ca- calendar date for yourself. Uh, but then you're like pushing back the calendar date. So that to me, that says you don't actually want to kill yourself. You just aren't getting the answer that you want. Life isn't turning out the way you want it to. Well, it's never going to turn out the way you want it to if you keep wishing for death because you're passionate 
pass this email to me you're passively living your life Mm -hmm. and how can a life passively lived be enjoyable answer it cannot be yeah so um turn right around baby what you owe it to don't worry about anyone else in your life you owe it to yourself to give life an active shot okay Mm -hmm. seriously cut the bullshit cut the fucking sitting in your house thinking about when you're fucking gonna die or when you're gonna do it yeah just stop cancel your fucking birthday all these like all these dates that you've set up for yourself it's fucking nonsense and and you and you know you you, like you're smarter than this Mm -hmm. you know i don't know i don't know the deeper effects of this image you saw uh when you were nine i don't know if you've uh uh, discussed that with a therapist but like i saw that same image when I was a little bit older than you, um, I was, well, I was like, think like 16, I think when 9-11 mm-hmm. happened. So I saw that same Im- image and uh, I think it's like a real slap in the face, honestly, to anyone who died in 9-11. And I love a 9-11 joke uh, yeah. uh, that uh, you wish that was you. You know, can you imagine someone fucking hearing that, that you wish that was you? Would oh. you say that to Pete Davidson? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, would. you wouldn't. You just get down on your knees and suck his big old wang, huh? <laughs> Pete Davidson <laughs> would probably be like, me, me too. Like, you know? <laughs> yeah. Corinne, you're right. That guy didn't do it because he was like, all right, the day's here. I'm going to jump yeah, out the window. Yeah, he had no other choice. He, it was yes. either burn alive yeah. or jump out the window. You know exactly. what that means? But it was really sad and tragic and awful. He didn't yeah. have a choice. Well, actually, he did have a choice. He had a choice. He, and he made either, the empowered one. He had a, Exactly. He had a choice to passively die as you continuously Ooh. wish to do. Um, oh, I love this uh, and, theme. And he made, he took control and he said, I, I'm going to die on either my way. Today, no matter uh, what. I'm going to die on my own. Uh, my own terms okay so this is not and, and this is not saying like die on your own terms this is saying like don't fucking involve this guy who literally had to die he had the choice between death and death you have the choice between life and death yes and again i i don't agree with like have even though you're believe me your whole fucking family will be extremely traumatized if you do that as you know comedians we deal with suicide a lot it's extremely traumatizing death uh not by choice is extremely traumatizing uh it's been you know eight months since my dad died and he was an old you know an older man and i still cry every single fucking day um but uh it's not um yeah, it's it's not it's not about other people. It's about you. Like you were you you've already gone through these this twenty years, um, of, of your twenty nine years of your fucking life. You said twenty were uh filled with suicidal ideation. Okay, so let's tap back into those first nine that fucking weren't. What happened in your childhood that you can go back to that you can re-understand? Have you looked into like have you done the fucking work to be alive? Being alive Clearly is a not. fucking job. Okay, mm-hmm. so show up for work for yourself, N- not even for everyone else. Just show up for work. Like, I don't know how you thought we were going to re- respond to this email, but like, I'm not going to handle you with kid gloves. Give yourself a fucking decent shot at life. Seriously. And, and stop telling yourself the same fucking sob story because it's not cute. Really? Yeah. And as somebody with a parent who's threatened suicide since I was fucking born, you're making your family's life worse by doing what you're doing, okay? If you actually want to positively affect yourself and the people around you, don't fucking talk about how you want to die all the time and live your goddamn life, okay? I am scarred forever from a, a family member threatening to take her own life and just constantly talking about it. It's so painful. 
So the pain that your family is experiencing is probably a lot deeper than you can ever imagine. But a way to rectify this, because there is a way to rectify this, is to figure out how to get to a place where you like yourself and you start living your life. Because then that will dissolve the pain that has probably been caused from throwing around your fucking suicide and dangling it in front of people for your whole life. I think it's extremely unfair. So you got to fucking stop that. And um, two other woo-woo suggestions that you can take me up on or not. Um, I, when I first moved into my um, new apartment, I, for whatever reason, I just was like obsessed with medium videos. Laura Lynn Jackson, Matt Frazier, John Edwards, um, Teresa Caputo, um, all these fucking mediums. And I've probably consumed hundreds of hours of these videos of them giving readings. Every single time there's a suicide, the person regrets it every single time they've never not regretted it it doesn't matter if they were in such unbearable pain every second of their day the second they kill themselves and they're on the other side they immediately regret it because they're ha they're forced to have to watch their loved ones grieve uh such a tragic such a traumatizing loss so please know that and then also look into past life stuff because that's the only other unless it's something like corinne said from your childhood uh it might be but also I've just thrown it out there. Can't hurt. Read Many Lives, Many Masters in order to learn about the subject. It's a very accredited book by a very reputable doctor from Harvard. Uh, I would just look into that. Don't don't give up. Stop. And Stop this, with this bullshit. Also, you got this. I mean, beyond the woo-woo stuff, look into antidepressants. I know that we I mean, you're on, about you're on a bunch of pills. And honestly, that might not be... It might be helping, it might not. You said you're on how many drugs? 15? 11 pills a 11? day. Yeah. All right, well, actually... So, I mean, your I'd body chemistry back. is taking a hit right now. Um, because of the medication, and it could be for the better, but uh, just you know, yeah. I mean, it's like it's like, did you tell a professional that you're that you're feeling this way? I'm guessing you did, but if you, I mean, you you didn't. I, I it feels like there you need to go different routes because yeah. it seems like you're kind of just like on this carousel of the same thing even like that the fact like listen it's lovely that you listen to guys we fucked all the time but you don't need to listen to every episode four times like you're you're just kind of like putting yourself in this continual you're not giving yourself new experiences and, and, and allowing exactly. yourself to listen to new thoughts right, right. And the um uh and the the sentence that really sticks out for me is I believe if people could understand the pain I feel they would be open to the thought of me taking my life. No, I mean, you are in on. a romance with your own fucking depression and despair. No, no. Okay, and I see so many people doing that uh, right now. Uh, it's kind of like almost like a trending thing, especially on the internet, like where we're all in this competition for who's the most damaged and destroyed, mm. and we're doing the same thing. Like get get out, get out of that cycle okay yeah because it's a self-fulfilling prophecy when you're this depressed your mind's basically telling you that you're pathetic and you're a mess but that's a self-fulfilling prophecy because what ends up happening is you believe those thoughts which are not true because your mind is not you and then you act pathetic that's that's how it goes so you can pull yourself out of this cycle you just have to get jostled out of it and hopefully you hear this and that does the trick yeah you have to remove yourself maybe it's like remove yourself from your surroundings like there are so many variables that contribute to our happiness and obviously you have something deeper going on that is actually like a clinical depression psychological you know issues but we live in a time of modern medicine and a lot of uh, options uh, especially if you're living in a major city because you do you definitely have more access no, no matter what your financial mm. uh, status is um, also I sometimes fantasize about um um, when I'm really depressed, uh, what it would be like to like 
fake my own death. I'm not actually gonna do this, but like fake your own death and then like live a new life. And you think of like, oh my God, you could do anything. You could start over at fucking 29 years old and move to another country and do obviously, you know, this is all fantasy, but it kind of makes you realize, oh, there's more possibility out there than maybe I have been assuming that there is. Right. And I, and I mean, I gotta be honest, there's a reason why you haven't killed yourself, you know? And like, that's because you don't want to. I, I truly believe that. Yeah. You wouldn't go on for fucking 20 years uh, with this with the same. That's like someone saying like, you know, I'm going to start a company for 20 years. Like they're never starting that. Fucking yeah. Company. Right. 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 <laughs> you know, gonna, yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. I'm going to go to the gym eventually. Yeah. And they never do. And I also think something that would helpful. And this is something I've uh, I've definitely recommended to several of my depressed colleagues that was helpful. Go volunteer for, an, mm, for yeah. a place yes. where people That's a great idea. are doing Worse than you, yes. okay? Yeah, and also helping know, don't people. tell them that. Don't tell them that. But that's where you go. You because you, you you really just got to get your head out of your own ass. And I know mm-hmm. you're depressed, and I'm not taking that away from you. But it's become your whole fucking identity. Yeah, uh, and you need a new and and you you're, need to put that on a uh, shelf, baby. Yeah, and obviously, like you're not happy with you. So, but you have control to change who you are, how you're perceived in the world, how uh, you know how you experience the world. You have control over all this, and yeah. stop making excuses that you don't. And you. And I think in the back of your head, you knew this was the kind of advice that we were going to yeah, give you. Yeah, you definitely did. If you've listened to us each episode three or four times, yeah, you know what we're going to say. Oh, man. Feel free to check in, but I swear to fucking God, if I see an obituary, I'm going to be fucking pissed. Yeah, yeah. please yeah. don't do anything. Yeah, yeah. It's we hard. It's, it is hard. Like, when, when you're in this, like, swamp of self-pity, oh, boy. It's like the only thing that really gets you out of it is a change of scenery or somebody going, get snap the fuck out of it, you dumb bitch. Yeah. You know? Um, so I hope, I hope that helps. This show is sponsored by better help. Getting stuff off your chest is incredible. It's so therapeutic. We all carry around different stressors. Some of them are big. Some of them are small. A lot of them are very big, uh, but we keep them bottled up and it could start affecting us negatively. And then we act like a jerk to the people we love. And we're like, this is not how I want to be. Therapy has saved my life personally. There are so many benefits of it. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. And it isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. Although if you have experienced major trauma, highly recommend. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designated to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you could switch at any time. Finding a therapist is like dating. They're not all going to work out in the first try. BetterHelp understands that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash guys to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash guys. Guys, the weather's getting warmer. It's time to say goodbye to your jackets and all your sweaters. And you got to refresh your wardrobe. Well, luckily... I found Quince, and now you have too, because you're listening to this. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And if you go to their website, the amount of categories, they have travel, lookbooks, men, women, home, babies, and kids – Their stuff is so cute. So I own a couple items from Quince, and one of them is the Italian leather hand-woven crossbody purse in green, emerald, and I get compliments on it all the time. It's a small purse, which I really love because then I don't put as many things in it. Um, Guys, 
Quince is amazing. They have very luxury items for very cheap prices. Get warm weather ready, baby, with Quince. Go to quince.com slash GWF for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash GWF to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash GWF. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Come see us live. Uh, I'm going to be in London. That's in the UK on May 12th at the Leicester Square Theater headlining uh, for one show only. Tickets are pretty much sold out, so get them if they're available. But uh, ChristinaHutchinson.com is where the link is. And Dublin, Ireland, I will be at the Sugarland Club May 13th with Von DiCarlo. Uh, and uh, as always, you can listen to episodes of my solo podcast called The Voices in Our Heads, available on Patreon.com slash Christina Hutchinson. And I have at least two group therapy and quotes chad uh sessions a month for anybody who's who's a member and they're very very helpful it's how i was introduced to ketamine therapy uh and a bunch of other really exciting resources so uh come join us and without a country the comedy news show hosted by myself and shane smith is out every saturday on youtube and wherever you listen to podcasts uh subscribe to the without a country youtube channel follow us on instagram uh it's a super fun show we we chat a little bit about us but we chat mostly about the news and it just makes the news like a lot more digestible because we make dick jokes throughout it again that's without a country and make sure to rate and review guys we fucked on apple podcasts uh again you guys have been doing such a wonderful job with that tell us why you like the show what has kept you listening to the show all these years maybe you're a new listener how'd you find it anything like that is super helpful to us yeah we read them and they're really nice yeah we work for ourselves so yeah you know we're the ones fucking reading them um and again make sure to go to youtube.com slash guys we fucked without the you and fucked to check out all the free content uh that'll apparently stop you from killing yourself i hope so um we have the dumb bitch woo hour which is kind of like avant-garde and fun and wacky we have old episodes of did that help we have clips from our stand-up special we have the full stand-up special we have so much content there and then of course make sure to follow us on tiktok at guys we fucked without the you and fucked for uh all the incredible clips from our show yeah shout out to patty clips he does a great patty job with clips. those yeah. um and shout out to colt who does who did an amazing job clipping up our special and and yeah soon make sure you're subscribed to our youtube channel because full episodes of guys we fucked will soon be available yeah yeah, we're just working on them to make them nice and yeah. you know we have a we have a team but it's not that big yeah. so mm-hmm. <laughs> it takes a while to do good work it yeah. takes a while but anyway how yeah. you doing i'm good i'm good 
Uh, I built a trampoline yesterday for my nephew. Oh, you built? Oh, yeah. Built it? My brother, my brother bought a, like, like a big the one, big ass <gasps> one. I'm so jealous. Oh, it was so fun. Suburban he, living. Then he had to go to the ER because he dislocated <laughs> his elbow. I'm like, oh no! Wow, we were so close. Wait, your brother? Uh, no, my my nephew. Oh, yeah. Oh, he, he dislocated his arm the day they built yep. the trampoline. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. so. I just I trampolines are so dangerous. <laughs> I know this one had a net. It had a net. I installed uh, it. So then, how did he I do it? it. Um, he he uh, he fell. Like I think he tried to catch himself in a weird way, and so his weight was oddly <laughs> distributed. I don't oh. know. He's so flimsy. He's eight or he's seven. Right? Yeah. Seven. He just had a seventh birthday. He's so tiny, and the kid has so much anxiety. Man, oh my god! I've tried to talk to him. He was he's afraid to go to bed at night. And I was trying to have like a heart to heart with him and say, you know, I had him name objects in the room because he was like, a man's going to come in my room and get me. And I'm like, oh. OK, well, so that's all in your head. Like, it's your mind. Like, nothing can actually hurt you. The terror and the fear is in your mind. Right. So when you feel it, I was trying to teach him to deep breathe because he actually meditates. And I was so proud of him. I'm like, God damn, that's amazing. Um, hmm. But yeah, he, he it was. And then he it was so cute. He was like, I don't want to calm down. And I'm like, well, that's a different problem, Brantley. I got to go to bed. Uh, but yeah, it was nice to spend spend the weekend with him. Maybe he's right, though. Because I told my I told my therapist right before my dad got sick that I felt like something really bad was going to happen, and You're she right. said that was in my mind. And then I honestly, as upset I was about my dad, I was like, I I kind of did enjoy being right. <laughs> I was like, well, because you never think that. I was You're like, not like a doomsdayer. Kirsten, I fucking nailed it. Actually, yeah. is she back from leave? <laughs> she actually just emailed me yesterday. Oh, nice. Uh, nice, nice. But you know, I didn't respond to her yet. I don't want I don't want her to think I was too, too thirsty, thirsty for yeah. therapy. So. <laughs> Honestly, I, I, it's funny because I've been just as just as the same, if not better, without therapy. Yeah, I stopped my uh, talk therapy because I was like too much. There was just, I mean, I, how long? I mean, my dad's dead. How right. how many times can we think about it? He's I know. not coming back. Yeah. And at, and at what point are you just reopening a wound? I know. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, it's also like not I, I don't like know I'm the not, answer to that. It's not like I'm not thinking about it. It's not like I'm repressing about it. I right. think of it literally 23. Well, no, no, like like uh, I would say how many? When you're sleeping, 19 hours like, a day. Like, uh, no, like a little less because I'm sleeping. So like 15 hours a day. Right. I'm thinking right. about it. You know, that's enough. I think there's enough time <laughs> to put into it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, my best therapist throughout this whole process has been television. I feel I know mm. now why Rory I Gilmore. loved. A I'm long finished with that. <laughs> I, I I know now why I like loved Andy Warhol so much because he said, you know, he, I'm gonna misquote him, uh, but it was basically like. He had a quote where he was like, I can't uh, believe people still have like uh, relationships after the TV was invented. Like, I don't know how people are keeping relationships <laughs> wow, going. He said that before he died, too. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Obviously, he said that before he died. But like when TV wasn't even as pervasive as it is. Well, I but, think, t you know, TV kind of came like because, you know, because he was storytelling like, is so TV came out while he was, you know, alive. So yeah. he got to experience life. You know, or with like, what, what year was he born? In the, oh, oh, I, I just saw an exhibit. TV with him. came out in the 1950s. He was probably is, born in is. the 40s. I would yeah, think. I can't remember. I shouldn't. I used to know it all these facts. It is so therapeutic to watch. Oh, a cast he was of born characters. in 1928. Yeah, so oh, he's shit. experienced yeah. a lot of life without TV. Uh, and then you know to have TV introduced, and he was like, I don't know how people continue to have like serious like interpersonal relationships after TV that's was invented. About, that's how I feel about phones. It's so yeah. fucking that's, yeah. good. Like I that's love. That's good. That's good therapy. That's I good had helpful such therapy. a satisfaction.
factory weekend. Like I had like the oh, best good. weekend of my life because <gasps> I had such minimal contact with other fucking people. That's great. Wow. Yesterday, the only person I talked to was a Dunkin' Donuts employee. <laughs> One of the best days I've had in wow. in months. Wow. And I d- worked all day. I worked literally like all day. I cleaned my whole um, apartment. I mean, it's still really bad, but oh, I cleaned well, my apartment nice, and I like uh, worked on our TV show. Mm. I did so much fucking shit. Yay. And you didn't talk to anybody and it was nice. Didn't talk to, I mean, I could text a couple people, but other than that. Right. But it was on your terms. I mean, incredible. Well, I've been doing this new thing where I put my phone on do not disturb for like all day Sunday. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's your whole, I, yeah. It's, your, it's my you only day, day off. You have so. to have at least one day. My God. Yes. Was Michael raising his hand? No, yeah, it's no, like no. he was wanting to say I was something. Just, I'm just moving around. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought you. <laughs> Someone someone commented that they think it's hot when we cut you off from speaking. So oh, it's a kink. Yeah, I love that. That would uh, be. Oh, oh my god, can I practice being mean to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Go ahead. Shut up. Anyway, are you gonna? Is are someone you, talking? Are you gonna be like a pay a pay pig oh, person? Pay, oh, right, right, right. No, I just want to see what it feels like out loud to be mean to somebody. Uh, I don't really know how to do it yet, but I'll figure I, it out. Uh, you want you want to practice it? I can start trying to say something, Shh. and then you can cut me off. <laughs> and don't talk. Okay. <laughs> Oh my god! Uh, yeah, that's fun. I'm glad you had a nice, relaxing weekend. Thank you. Uh, filled with no people. Thank you. That's um, beautiful. Um, who, somebody else is also beautiful. Is our guest uh, Inside and Out? We're so excited to have her on. She is uh, a feminist writer, editor, television director, and producer. She's the co-founder of Bust Magazine, an essential feminist publication. And her book, Getting Over Max Cooper, is out now for you to purchase. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, Marcel Carp. biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip i thought in that moment oh my god we've summoned something from this board this is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. We are here with Marcel Karp. We're so excited to talk to you about your book, about your life. You, this is your first time being on the podcast. Your incredible daughter, Ruby, has been on twice now, right? I, twice? I have no recollection. I think twice. Yeah. Sure. Twice. I'm pretty sure. There you go. Um, and so we're so excited to get to talk to you. Um, we, I love these opportunities to, um, get to know further people that I already know, but like on a more, I like excuses to ask people like really in depth questions. Um, so, and last time I saw you, oh boy, I was, I had just broken up with Steven. I was at a hotel. Oh, ago? oh wow. I was at a hotel and I was crying and I wanted to die. We, I think we went to, um, we went to gray dog, gray dog. Right. Yes, I remember that. And I was just like, am I ever going to be okay? And I was like, as as an older woman, I can tell you that you're going to be fine. That was the last time we hung out one-on-one. But I have seen you. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, I was going to say, I was like, that was forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But But I remember, yeah, I remember that very, very clearly. And I'm like, and I think I was, I was, I was, bone and uh and i was like i don't know what i'm doing you're like he's hot go for it i'm like okay and then i me- I think i remember i was like i gotta go back to the hotel because because so and so is gonna come over <laughs> and i was like just take it easy take it for what it's worth don't get too hooked into this guy and yeah, you know, yeah, um, yeah. because you still had to work out what was happening with the breakup oh my god and i still mm-hmm. that i'm not doing anymore i'm working out more like parent stuff but that always has to do with for me at least breakups that's always how it's been that's always informed uh my romantic choices or the parents how are you, how was your relationship with your parents? Um, well, before I get into it, I just want to thank you guys so much for having me on. Oh, I you're really welcome. My appreciate pleasure. it. You know, I've been listening to you from, from for a really long time. I don't remember when we start when I started 2014, 15. 16? That's right around the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We started yeah, so, end of 2013. Yeah. And and uh and I admire you so much. Thanks. And it makes me so happy. Like the the nachis, you know, like I get so much <laughs> nachis. The, the what? Um, so much like Yiddish joy. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> just from just listening to you and watching you thrive and oh, I just thanks. adore you too so much thank thanks. you I so appreciate that I had to say that because I didn't get a chance to say it when I walked in <laughs> now it feels like we paid you yeah clip it we do ad placement on our own show but it's just for us yeah <laughs> the parent thing is complicated uh you know because for a long time you know your parents are just there in the background they're annoying and <laughs> you know whatever your stuff is you know I had and I have a lot of stuff with each my father and my mother. Mm. And then, you know, 
one dies and then the one's left and you know you have just the whatever few years you know, my mother's now 82 um, so now I'm starting to look at you know, what do the next 10 years look like for me in terms of her, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of like elder care, I have a brother, but he has a wife and a kid. So he's like, you know, he's, he, if God forbid something happens to her, it's going to come on me to do the work of, huh. of taking care of Is her. that because you live closer to her? No, she lives in Florida. My brother lives in Bay Ridge. I live in Stytown. Oh. So like, yeah, we're, it's just the, it's. You the, have to force his hand a little bit though. I was going to say, it always, rely, it always comes down to the daughter taking care of the parent. Um, when there's multiple kids and there's like a, a son and a daughter, yeah. I've noticed that. Yeah, it, it does, and I and Why? I do. You Women know, are caretakers we're, by nature. Exactly, Ugh, and she so leans work. on me more than she leans on him. Yeah, she because she know. knows shit'll get done if she leans on yeah. you. Yeah, right. that's the problem with being responsible. Then people, <laughs> then you get more work. So it's really better to be irresponsible in life. <laughs> and when next time I do it, I'm going to be more irresponsible. I swear to God. I, I before I had a kid. Um, I was, you know, very irresponsible and mm-hmm. they, they didn't rely on me for anything. My brother nice. did more of the caregiving because oh, like, okay. my father got sick when I was 30. Okay. And then, and so he would take my dad to the hospital and okay. be there. It was never me because I was, you know. How, what did your irresponsibility look like? Uh, not going to the hospital at all. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That was very direct. Um, I, the one like, time, I don't do hospitals type the, of vibe. The one time I went to the hospital when, when the first really big heart attack happened, I walked in and there was my dad and um, they had him in a dressing gown. And uh-huh. so I saw what he looked like underneath mm, and yep. I just went, mm, I'm not coming back. So mm. Not coming back. Yeah, no, and that's a hard sight. It was, and you know, he was crying and Ah. it was it was really hard for me and at the time i like my access to those feelings had been so moved away like they were in a file in the back of the of the closet you're protecting your own like vulnerability in a way yeah Ah. and so i was just like not gonna why was why were they filed away you know my my dad when he was alive was a really generous person, but he was also a violent person. Oh, so, that's confusing. Yeah, so generous and violent. Yeah, Oof. so it was complicated. And so when I became an adult and wasn't like in the midst of the temper or the violence, I just never, I never went around. Like I never went. Yeah, because you're, you're even your your energy is very like you have a like similar to Corinne, like just very calm. And like I know that when Corinne has been like when we've witnessed violence or like violence has been talked about, just very like it's a Jewish mother energy. But my <laughs> son is a dog. I guess I don't even consider Alfred my son. He's my best friend. <laughs> I'm the yeah. same with Rocky. Like yeah. he talks and now oh, Rocky. Pug, yeah. Rocky at 13 is so vocal. Like you know <laughs> your your dogs are still so young. Yeah. But now at 13, he's just like if I'm sitting on the couch just minding my beeswax he'll be like "Mm, mm, mm, mm." (laughs) and you're like okay come sit next to me he'll sit next to me snore wake up and go okay now what oh my god that's (laughs) so funny "Mm, mm, my dog groans mm." like my presence is bothering him (laughs) he does get annoyed her dog gets annoyed like straight up he gets very sometimes i'll be like well me and alfred aren't talking today (laughs) (laughs) it's wild how much dogs embody the personality of their of their parents it's crazy because kevin's always like can i come what are you doing are you gonna love me like it's very wow Wow. Okay. So it was your was your father violent towards you or like phys- are we talking physical violence or thro- hitting you and your mother or throwing things? Yeah. All three of us. Yeah. And, wow. What and, was the first do you know the first like memory of him being violent towards you? Um 
11 or wow. 12 um i got in tr uh i got i called him an asshole okay and he was a new york city taxi driver so people called him asshole all day long sure yeah, and yeah. so i it was a trigger but i was 11 or 12 so right. i didn't have that yeah you know awareness of what was happening in his life right. outside of the of home course, yeah and i got slapped yeah yeah um my brother got the belt more than me but mm. i did get the belt um and my mother got hit yeah, because wow. it's weird because it's yeah. a, okay. So like a hit, spanking and hitting and stuff that was so accepted. Right. That was so I got hit and I was like, but you think about it and you're like, that's fucked up. I was a child. Well, that's my question. Like my kind of my question because it was like not. It was never. I mean, actually, I was gonna say it was never acceptable to hit your wife, but that's not true because it, it was, was in the fifties. They had a tank top you named after it. You certainly could hit your. <laughs> well, that's. I feel like that's more like cops, but like, yeah, yeah. like, but you, like, you could. I mean, there's. You, I, I believe there's episodes of I Love Lucy where she, she gets hit, or there's old movies where they the wife gets hit and it's completely it's so okay. or like. Like, um, you know, when there's like straight to the moon, Alice in like yeah. the honeymoon. Yes. Wait, that's what that means? I'm yeah. Hit you? Yeah, it means I'm going to hit yeah. you. Oh, I thought yeah. that was romantic. Wait, I thought that what? was romantic. You thought it was um, like, are you, like I love you to the moon and back? No, it's like, I'm going to beat the shit out of yeah. you because you're annoying me, bitch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <gasps> to the moon, Alice yeah. means I'm going to hit you. Yeah, that was yeah. a threat of violence. <gasps> yeah. And I'm going to stop and, saying that to people. And there's a generation that laughed at it. I didn't get that part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, violence against the wife was very accepted so i mean uh, wow like but you're young enough that violence towards the wife wasn't accepted at that point anymore it was the 70s was, right so that, okay. i would say no right you know, it, yeah it wasn't was, okay it, you know my mother if when when an incident would happen my mother would take the kids me and my brother and go to my aunt's house right and just like recover did right. she yeah. talk to you about it no Fuck. because yeah. in the years that he's passed you know we're it, there's more of like he was a good man you know it's this kind of like everyone's a hero after death yeah yeah and and you know i i always feel uh conflicted talking about it but sure. this is my this is it's my your story that's your experience when yeah. i was 17 two terrible things happened my brother not never a good student got like all d's and f's and i was like the good student the mm -hmm. ones with the a the one with the a's and so when he got the report card uh, my father took the belt to him and so um, he was covered in belt wells from the Ooh. back of his neck to the bottom of his ankles, Fuck. arms. Couldn't wear shorts the thing is for like, the rest of the summer. That's not what's going to get him to do well in school. He just wasn't a person who took to school, and that was never right. So, right. And, and my dad was just like he didn't understand where. And 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 again, like I'm like looking at it through this lens of like, right. he didn't understand where this failure came from because he did Clearly. everything to help my brother. Who sure, had a speech impediment and just oh, and yeah. was like all these other things. And then I was going to sleepaway camp uh, like for the first time as a counselor. And he was very like, my dad was very agitated about it because it was the first time I'd be away from the house. Mm. I was oh, like so he didn't understand 17. How, his emotions. And he like pushed me into, um, in the bathroom, you know where the towel rack is? He pushed me into that. And my dog at the time just like went for his ankles. And I think yeah. my dad caught himself and then retreated to his room and cried because that would oh, be- Oh, he cried. That would be, when the violence would happen, he would, in the aftermath, would be ashamed and go oh, to his room yeah. and cry. Mm. Um, oh gosh, it, man, it was, that was a man who had no tools to deal with his emotions. And I imagine his the version of masculinity that was pushed upon him 
and, was not good. Again, you know, he spent the first, you know, part of his childhood in a POW camp and, oh. you know, uh, from the war. And, okay, you know, well, that'll do it. he's got two older brothers, uh, or actually he had three, one died. So, you know, uh, rough housing was normal mm-hmm. yeah. and for them. And then when he had the wife and he was a taxi driver and he had this, all this other frustration, this was the conduit was yeah. like the three people he loved the most in the world and would die for and mm-hmm. all this other right. stuff. So this again is like through the lens of a woman who's now 58 and mm. who's raised a kid and who's like been in the world. But you know, it took me a really long time to get there wow. to like understand sure. who this man was in the context of where he was. Did mm-hmm. you ever ask him about himself, like about his stories, about his past? I did, but we never really addressed the violence because mm. the one time, like he had had a, a heart attack and then he had a depression. And when the depression happened, he was mm, like 52, 53. He had to go to um, like a home, like a like a rehab center where they were yeah. dealing with depression and also like getting him to be able to walk again. Yeah. Wow. And, um, you know, that was so hard for him that you know, he did, he had this thing with my brother where he apologized to my brother for ruining his summer, you know, and then the two of them are crying and all this stuff. And I just went, I have my forgiveness. Like, I'm good. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to push this man any further. Yeah. Uh, He's, his life is, was so much harder than mine. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, And I, even, even if I had a harder life, I probably wouldn't have done that. But, you know, part of, it's like, I'm not in recovery, but it's part of my it's part of my process of like going, okay, this is the man I who is the first man I loved. Yeah. And and this is my experience in his home. Yeah. So it was a lot of violence. So yeah, so when he uh was in the hospital for the first time and I just was like, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. I'm good. Yeah. I don't have to do this. Yeah. And is that did you see ways that, that leaked into your dating life uh early on? Um I never, like when I was younger, I, the first thing I'd be like, do you have a temper? And they'd be like. Oh, you would just straight up ask them. You might Always, as well. Do you have a bad temper? And like, what does it take to make you angry? Yeah. Um, and so I dated uh, very gentle men yeah. for a very long time. Mm. Yeah. And gu- guys that I fucked, it didn't matter. Right. But guys that I, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. The guys but to that date. I dated were, were very gentle. Like there'd be no question that like. Uh, I get slapped or anything like that. Right, you know? right, right. That right. was always in the back of my head. So you never experienced violence from a partner. No. Nice, that's great. Okay, no. so you were really like you were you were you were leading the charge for yourself in yeah. that way. Yeah, I was able to like go okay. Uh, that that won't work for me. Like, you know, yeah. saying the wrong thing and then getting yelled at, that's not gonna work for me. Yeah, but I feel like, yeah. yeah. Th- that's very good though, because most times like you, you it's like you, you rectify the problem before there was one, because I think it's much more mm-hmm. common for people who had uh, your upbringing to then go and seek out it. more violent yes. men and just like recreate the pattern. So how, like, did you, did you, were you just always self-aware like that? I, I was so scared of being hit that I just went, fuck that. And you never yeah. internalized it. That's what I'm picking yeah. up though yeah. from you. You never go, oh, I deserve, like what did I do to deserve? Because a lot of times kids will internalize their parents' behavior if they can't explain it or justify it. But you you really had a, uh, the wherewithal to go, this is a separate issue that has nothing to do with me. Yeah. Wow, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. great. And I, and I wasn't in therapy like 
uh, as a teenager uh, because my parents didn't have the language of therapy in mm. their in their world. And it wasn't um, it wasn't common into like this generation. I mean, yeah. like, unless you were like something cr like really crazy in quotes happened to you. No kid, you know, of your generation went to therapy. No, it wasn't until I was in my 20s and trying to uh, work my way through bulimia. Uh, mm. You know, like that was like, and I'm like, oh, you know, I gotta, I gotta see somebody because I gotta stop this. This is bad. <laughs> yeah, believe me. Uh, I remember when I was reading. I think it was the Saturday Night Live book. Uh, and Gilda Radner's autobiography, It's mm. Always Something, they talked about bulimia in 1975, from 1975 to 1980, when they were all in the cast. Her, uh, Gilda and Jane would just actively go, oh, we're going to order a pizza for writer's night, and then we would we, go throw it up, and then we would go, you know, and that was just like so, con it's so fascinating to me how many things were talked about and just very widely accepted. When you were bulimic, was it, did you ever look at it as that? It's like, oh, this is a thing that women do to stay thin. Um, the first time I heard about it, I was, was when I was went to camp, Camp Hillel, you know, like a <laughs> camp, sleepaway camp, and we were counselors. And uh, there was a girl named Amy, won't say her last name, and she was like, you know, there's a way we can always stay thin. And I was like, tell me the <laughs> Right. <laughs> what is the secret of yeah. staying thin? Um, and, and, then, and then showed me how to make myself throw up. Yeah, and you're like, okay, okay, cool, sure, cool. So, and then you would this. throw up everything you ate, or like only some stuff. Uh, pretty much, I would just uh, go through everything on my table, and then just we would binge all and purge. Go, yeah, we yeah. Just, it, it was just like it was a ritual that ah, we did as yeah. a group of girls and stuck in a sleepaway camp. And then I went to Israel for a semester. Um, to like a women's seminary, thank you, in Jerusalem. And um, we were living right near, like right across the street from a, a bread bakery. So like every day, like when I would cut classes, <laughs> I would go Ugh, to the bread And bread in bakery. Israel is so good. So good. And then I'd be, just be like, I would notice something changing, like something tight on my body. And I'd be like, bathroom. You wow. Know? Yeah, yeah. So, and then, and then like uh, when I came, I came back from Israel and my mother was aware that I was bulimic because uh, my aunts would tell her, you know what, she goes to the bathroom and she throws everything up. It's really oh. weird. And so my mother was like, this has to stop. Yeah. And so I did. I stopped because okay. I was afraid. Was it hard to stop? I mean, because the feeling of, of, of eating a meal and then having it sit in your stomach is the part where you're like, I am full, right? I imagine like mentally to eat a meal, have it be in your stomach and then have it immediately eject the wrong way back out. It, it, that's got to like, did you experience mental side effects from bulimia? No, not that I know of, okay. you know, but I knew I was so afraid of getting in trouble that I was just like, okay, I'm going to stop. <laughs> right. um, and, you know, like my knuckles were always pink and the capillaries on my under my eyes were always burst. And mm. I always look like, you know, at first, uh, you know, maybe my mother thought I was, you know, on heroin or something. But then when the aunts <laughs> like were like, something's She's happening. Bulimic. Uh, that's when when I came home from Israel, she was like, "Stop!" Oh, okay. And then um, and then I relapsed in my twenties, right before I started bust. I relapsed um, because I was going through a depression. Uh, I was coming out of a breakup. I didn't feel pretty or thin or all the things that were happening like in 1990, stuff. 91, mm. 92. Ooh. And I relapsed. And when I relapsed, I went right back into therapy. I went, I'm sorry, I went to therapy. Like yeah. I found someone who could deal, who was able to talk to women and men with um, uh, eating disorders. And, and just, uh, I saw this guy for about a year and then I stopped. Well, what what are some of the, yeah, the yeah, things that say? he told you? He told me that, um, 
you know, when I'm in the process of a binge to like remind myself what's going to happen at the purge, you know, and how, how horrible it's going to feel. Like just to remind myself, like, you know, you're about to go through a three-step process. So before you start the binge uh, and before the purge happens and before like the aftermath of that, think about like, think about what's coming and mm-hmm. how bad you feel afterwards. Right. Because in my 20s, I start to feel bad. Like I started to feel um, out of control. I started to feel in control. I started to feel like I was sick, like sick, sick. Um, and um, and he helped me. Like he helped me get through all of that. Nice. Uh, just like always think about those three steps. One, two, three. Oh, shit. Right. So it's not you don't have that immediate gratification of the, oh, I'm going to like the idea of binging and purging kind of gives you that dope fake dopamine hit. But then yeah. when you go through the process of the end result is not good, then the dopamine hit is null and void. Yeah. Interesting. And then we also worked on, you know, loving your body and accepting it. And um, and, and you know, that was very, very hard for me because I, I just uh what was it It was like 91 92 93 so like i'm in the in the era of the supermodels Mm. i'm like you know this is the physical ideal Mm. i'm not i'm not that of course like uh i would look in the mirror and just be like "Uh, mm, mm, mm," you know just like pointing at all the things that i didn't like and just like trying to figure out how to fix fix it uh and it just took me a while to just realize like yo this is cool yeah yeah, you like yourself. Yeah, I was like, those are very progressive thoughts, and it's interesting that you went to a, was it a was it a straight man or a gay man, or you didn't know? Gay man. Okay, because I was okay. That that's that, helpful. <laughs> that checks out because I was like, I can't imagine having that kind of a conversation with a straight man and not being annoyed the whole time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, but that checks like, out. Like, I do not want you to give me any feedback, sir. That checks out. <laughs> yeah. And then, so when did you when did you have Ruby? So I had um, I was I got pregnant thirty five, and she was born when I was thirty six. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you technically had a Jerry pediatric pregnancy oh my god i was a high risk pregnancy yeah when oh i gosh. went when we were when i was touring the hospitals i had to sign all this paperwork like you're high risk and you acknowledge that you're high risk and you're like and i'm like high risk i mean I, yeah I i'm can, a healthy 35 year old what are you talking like, about what are you talking about yeah but yeah yeah so i had her uh she was born in august i was probably 36 and a half at the time yeah okay. oh well, that's funny because you oh. ha- you have very much like a gilmore girls vibe like yeah. you were like a young mom but i was like you were just a, yeah you were in fact a geriatric mom, I was a geriatric mom. <laughs> that's so funny so were you ever married to ruby's father or what happened yeah. there um i was married to the inseminator that's what we call him <laughs> that's what i call my dad the inseminator my biological dad <laughs> um so i met the so um I think I was 34 and it was Christmas time and I didn't have like a vacation plan. So I said to my best friend, Kendrick, you want to go to Australia for um, Christmas? It's summer there. And he was like, sure, let's go. And my girlfriend, who used to live in this building, gave me like tabs of ecstasy and just be like, you know, go have some fun. Go have some fun in the outback. (laughs) So Kendrick and I went to Australia. We were staying in Bondi with our friends who had an apartment. And on like the first day I walked in, uh, I was sitting on the couch and this surfer dude walked into the apartment, like, just like, John, right. John, John. And your legs and just surfer, opened. And I You're went, like, oh. I went, what is happening right now? And, <laughs> That's so funny. Um, and, and he had been hearing about me because I was staying with our mutual friend. I was the lady who did bust and all this stuff. And so there was like an instant lustful connection ah. and then I didn't, I saw him like we saw, we all hung out as a group and then, uh, 
Kendrick and I went up to Byron Bay and got a little cottage and hung out there for a few days. And one day we were walking in town and there we saw the inseminator walking by <laughs> and he moved into the cottage with us. Kendrick went to- <laughs> Wait, just asked to do it or just- He just kind of, I mean, this is the man that he is. Like yeah. he just was like- I'm here now. Uh, and, and then- <laughs> Clinging. <laughs> Kendrick- like love bombing or like- Just like- uh, these two are cool. I'm just gonna hang out with them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. just like these yeah. two are cool. I'm gonna hang out with them. And like, uh, and then Kendrick went to New Zealand to do uh, to be with the Maoris and and just like do all this like tribal stuff. And I cool. was like, I won't do that. I'm gonna just sit here in this cottage. And I stayed there with the inseminator. We did ecstasy, and then that was it. Wow. Yeah, that was it. Um, and then you married you. So you ended up marrying him. So, so then we started dating like. He was in Australia. I was here. He came. Yeah, that's a huge time difference. He I came. thought dating in Turboro is hard. It, it was like, for me, it was a lark. Like, this is hot guy. I'm, <laughs> yeah. You know, all this stuff. And um, he came to New York uh, and stayed with me for a month. And then I went to Australia and stayed there for a few weeks. And then, um, and then he decided to move to New York. Um, and he came and lived with me for... Uh, almost a year, maybe a little bit less. And when he left, was he paying rent? No, he did uh, nothing. No. Knew it. And so a lot of our fighting, well, did he work? Uh, no, a lot of our fighting was that like he wasn't willing to do like the under the table jobs that my friends were offering. Like I got him involved in this like basketball night with the with the men that I hung out with. Like yeah. they did this basketball game at PS. Of course, you facilitated his yeah. transition. Yeah, like here's a life for you. Yeah, like, that I look, gently created. And then, um, but uh, and then every so often a friend would be like, "Would you like to like paint my bathroom? I'll pay you a hundred bucks." And he would do that, but he wasn't really doing enough. And so we started fighting about money. I mm. realized that like he wasn't my person. I mm. knew that he wasn't my person, but I was just like, how do I get rid of him? And then- <laughs> Were um, you married at this point? No, we were just fucking. Oh, like, wow. Like just fucking and having a good time. Wow, yeah. Um, and, uh, and then he left. And when he left, I realized I was pregnant. Mm. Oh. Yeah. And so he came back when I was, uh, oh, he around- That was probably a fun phone call. Yeah, when I called him <laughs> to tell him I was pregnant, he was just like, wait, what's happening? Blimey. Well, blimey. <laughs> Did I? And then we didn't talk for a really long time. What? And then, yeah. What is, wait, 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 wait. How, on who, on your terms or on his, was he just not picking up? He just was like, he was overwhelmed. He was 26 and he was overwhelmed. And you weren't? Like, I'm like, and you I were too. Like, I'm- I, I I was like I'm having this baby with or without you. Okay, like, so you, you knew know. right yeah. away like this is my baby. I'm I'm good. I was like yeah, I've never been. Oh, so you were like ten years older because he was twenty six. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. So oh, there yeah. was like oh yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. So, right. so you've been getting younger guys for a while. I have always been with younger. It's your guys. vibe. Like it's just like um, and we can get into that. But like, yeah, we will. I have always been with younger guys, <laughs> and they've always been like really hot until I dated the nerd. But like <laughs> yeah, right. <they've> always <laughs> <laughs> but they've they've always been super super hot, and the inseminator was like hot, 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 hot. Anyway, so uh, when he when he finally came out of the like wait she's pregnant phase and she's right. having this baby, he was like I want to come back, I want to be a father to this baby, I want to be your husband, I want to be in your life, and I was like, yeah, but you're you're never going to be able to work here and make and like at the time i i had like a really serious career i had mm -hmm. bust had been sold we were doing it for full time i was also producing at hbo so like i had i you was, were on it i was you were like, on fire and so i said okay uh baby 
<laughs> Babies due August 30th. You can come August 23rd. You should know that uh, Sonic Youth is playing Hammerstein, so I'm going to be going to that show. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he was like, wait, what? And I'm like, I don't need you before that. And, yeah. <laughs> and I and I knew I knew really like if he came before that I would have to be dealing with this. You'd be annoyed. Uh, person that yeah. you know uh, didn't. Kendrick was my birth partner. Like so, wouldn't know. Oh, so how he's to, your friend. Yeah. You know, so wouldn't know how to help me when the baby was coming out or it even help me in the apartment it would just be more trouble yeah and like that's the honest like that's the honest truth and like i know people get down on us on this podcast sometimes because like we're always like men suck but it's like well if you help they help then we be wouldn't better. have stories like this right. you know like yeah. this should be a learning experience so instead of like hearing stories like this and being like well they just hate men it's like to hear this story and be like i don't want to be this fucking guy no and, okay. and i anyway, knew back. the guy that no, would it's help. important like be more helpful guys please and, and also so like uh, Kendrick was helping me, you know, yeah. Kendrick was my birth partner. He went to the he, classes. He with came you. to all my classes when the baby was was on her way out. He was the voice that I heard going, come on, baby, you can do Aww. this. You can do this. He was my person. Mm -hmm. You know, he was. And, and he's been the person that helped me raised her. He spoke at her bat mitzvah. Aww. You know, he's coming to graduation mm. for college. Like he's. The oh, my God. She's graduating college already. Oh in two weeks. Oh, my God. I remember when she got accepted. Holy shit. The whole thing is time just, like, just like happens. It's yeah. Crazy. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. I, but, so I did marry the inseminator because he needed a green card. And like the only way he could stay here was if he had a did green card. Did you grow bitter towards him? I didn't like him. Oh, wow. Okay. I was like. But you, you married him to give him a green card so that he could be a part of your daughter's life? Yeah. Okay. Um, and, you know, maybe there was like a moment where I'm like, maybe we can make this work. Sure. But, like. After after the towers fell, um, literally we, like nine eleven. Nine eleven. Okay. Oh, oh I, the, I, I thought it was a tarot. <laughs> after the towers fell. <laughs> after nine eleven. So what happens? Is I got kicked out of bust. I had kicked a, out. I had oh, we'll a calcification in my breast. Oh. Uh, and then nine eleven happened. So I, oh, I looked Jesus. at the inseminator and I went, "We're going to Australia." Uh, we're going to go stay with whoever's going to let us stay at their house and we're going to stay there for a long time. Yeah. And so we went back to Australia. We stayed in Canberra with his mother's at his mother's house. And then we. How we, was his mom? Um, she, she really uh, loves her sons. Um, uh, copy that. So, I know exactly what you mean. And so uh, so we got an apartment and then I, I bought a house and uh, we stayed there for a while. And, and I realized while we were there, he's never going to be able to take care of this family. And I don't want that. Yeah, he's I, never going to step up. You you can tell he's going to be able to down. step up or not. Yeah, yeah he's going to be added weight. Uh, so we came back to New York and we knew that it, we were now going to be separate and so we still maybe took like six months before I found another apartment. I didn't want to stay in the apartment we were in because I knew he would never leave. So yeah, I yeah. like I got an apartment on the Upper West Side. He moved in with his friend, the model. He had a friend who's a model who was part of the basketball crew. And then um, he lasted maybe a year and then he went back to Australia. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, yeah. you're like, we need to clean up shop here. Yeah. You're not, you're, you're, you're bringing down the team. So and how long were you officially married for? Um, uh, like two years. Okay. And you um, got a, did you get a divorce? It took a while to get a divorce. Mm. And it was like, uh, it took a while before. Divorces I, always take a long time. Because you, it costs so much money. Uh, um, and like I had to get a lawyer and, and all this stuff. Oh, yeah, so like yeah. I kind of dragged my feet on it until I got into a real relationship with a man who was like, I want to marry you. And I'm like, oh, I'm still married. So yeah. I got to get rid of this. Like I got to take care of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, uh, and you know, the last time 
I've spoken to him was when Ruby was in eighth grade and he came for a visit. And I think the last time she spoke to him was probably 10th grade. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so we're okay. just kind of peacefully going your own ways. Yeah. 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 And, you know, uh, I still talk to his mother. I still oh, talk wow. to his father. Uh, his brothers and I are in touch. Like, I, uh, yeah. Wow, interesting. That's yeah. so. Do, so you like them? Like you like his family? They're her family. So right. You know, uh, you know, when she was in um, ninth grade, the father and uh, the step. Uh, I'm sorry, her grandfather and his wife came to visit, and then uh, when she was bat mitzvah, his um, her grand her her grandmother and her partner came. So like you know, she's okay, so seen they're... them over the years. Yeah, the family. Nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm also curious about we 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 gloss over this very bust. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So tell everybody what bust is and how you got to be involved in it, and then I'm curious about this kicking out. Oh thing. yeah, that thing was. Um, anyway, so uh, 1990, maybe even a li- little li- earlier, I was working at Nickelodeon um, oh, as like you can't do that on television years, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, and man. I was. Um, I was really desperate to be a promo producer because that was the department where all the cool kids were. Uh Um, And like the people who created Pete and Pete and those people, like I wanted to be over there. Oh, wow. Um, And so I I really had to, I I got to Nickelodeon as a, as a coordinator in the programming department. And then when there was a spot open in the promo department, I went there. But in that in-between area, I was sharing a cubicle with the woman I would create Bust With. Um, and, you know, she liked me because I listened to The Fall. <laughs> I liked her because, like, uh, you know, she was, like, already in fully realized as a feminist and would, like, tell me these things. And she lived on St. Mark's across the street from Cafe Chenet. Damn, so I would in see the late 80s. Yeah. Like this kind of thing and like we would um so we got to be friends and then we started having this conversation about like what was happening with women the women's music scene in olympia and what was happening in pop culture for women in general like what mainstream magazines were constantly promoting like you would look at cosmo or any of those women's magazines and it was always like how to be in service to men right five ways to to give a good job yeah Yeah. that kind of thing and we were like maybe we could do something maybe we could do something better than this that actually puts gives us agency and puts us center and yeah. And we started having these conversations and then um and then they kind of went away. I went to Paris for about six months and like lived with a friend there. And then I would meet and I ended up meeting like the people who would be my very best friends to, for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Like uh, and when I came back from Paris, um, I called her up and I was like, did you ever do anything with that like zine thing we were talking about? She's like, no. And I'm like, I think it's time for us to do something. And she was Good. like, OK, cool. And so we went to at the time and we already had bust. Uh, in as a as a title like yeah, we wanted something title. that was like uh double entendre that was active that you know felt feminist um and we and also was like body part like everything about it was amazing to us like we yeah. were like oh my god we are so smart <laughs> um and we went to see here because we really didn't know what diy publishing was so see here was a a zine store in on east seven in the east village that uh, was like a our, zine store fuck it was our church and so we would go there like, I don't know, I think we spent almost every day for a month going there and talking to the proprietor, Ted, um, I can't remember his last name, um, and ask him all these questions. And he pointed us into the direction of this zine called Fact Sheet 5, which was like the Bible, it was like the encyclopedia of zines. So any kind of zine you wanted to see was in this thing. Oh, how cool. 
And then I reached out to the guy who published it, uh, Seth Friedman. So we did a lot of like research on yeah. how to do a zine. And then like she was, I had already left Nickelodeon at this time. So this is already now 1993. It took us a long time. But yeah. like, um, you had to learn an industry essentially. And, and, yeah, you don't have the internet to help you. Right. Yeah. You have to go so, on site yeah. to a zine store and look up books. Like, <laughs> And so we, uh, she was working at Nickelodeon. We reached out to some of the women that we liked in our lives and we were like, we have this kind of idea to do a zine. What? Yeah, a zine. It's a DI, it's a do-it-yourself magazine. And we have this idea and we'd like for you to write about a day in your life. And they were, and all of our friends were like, yeah, I'm gonna do it. Do I have to use my name? No, you could use a pseudonym. Mm -hmm. Actually, we're using pseudonyms. What are yours? Uh, mine is Betty Boob, and my, which my mother thought was so funny because she loved Betty Boob, and I was like, yeah, she was like, oh, Betty Boob, ha ha ha, Betty Boob. Uh, anyway. um, so that was for you, ma. She, yeah, she just um, <laughs> That's sweet. And so, uh, and so we, and then we found an art, like somebody who knew how to do Photoshop because we didn't know how to do it, and then we kind of like put the zine together of all these articles um, of women writing about a day in their life. And then we did our manifesta. Like we wrote, you know, why we exist and what we're doing and what we what we plan to do, which is like be a place for women, about women, by women. So like it would be submission based. Like so all the stories wasn't going to just be me and the other one writing about ourselves. It was right. always going to be you and you and you writing about you. Um, and uh, we, the other part of DIY publishing is that we had to figure out where to be distributed. And so part of what Fact Sheet 5 did was show, was give you like a resource list of all the places that carried zines. And so at the time it was like, sorry, um, it was Tower Records and it was mom and pop shops. And yeah. it was like these, these um, larger distribution companies that don't, aren't around anymore, like Big Top and all this kind of stuff. And I reached out to all those people. I did my pitch and, you know, this one would take a few and that one would take a few. And while we were, while I was doing the sales, um, me and the other co-founder would go to Nickelodeon after hours and Xerox and staple our oh, zine nice. because by then the art, the art director um, had laid it all out. So like it was, we were- She had to assemble it. Juggling, 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 juggling. We got a PO box where we would get, like have submissions. Uh, we got an AOL address. I think the AOL, AOL address was bust at AOL.com. I mean, Incredible. it was just like, yeah, and you know, awesome. like when I look at it, we didn't know that we were filling a white space. Like we didn't know that we were um, feeling, uh, filling a space that would be intersectional. We didn't know that, um, we would be doing it that they would be doing it for 25 or 30 years like we were just like we're gonna do the scene and we're yeah. gonna like we're gonna say fuck you to these wi mainstream women's magazines and we're gonna like yeah. center us and our pleasure and um our anger you yeah. know because we it also at the time 1993 it's on the heels of the rodney king riots mm. it's on the heels of the pro-choice rally it's on the heels of um the gay uh the gay march like it's on the heels of all this like civil unrest in this country and uh what's his face clinton was in charge mm -hmm. so so a lot was happening so that um you know we became third wave and it coincided much like historically coincided with civil civil unrest and um 
like revolution uh, in the in the black in the black community, kind of like what happened during the second wave, mm-hmm. and kind of what happened the first time around with the yeah. suffragists and abolition. So like it was almost like we were repeating history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what we should have done is really looked at that because like. Uh, not only were we repeating history from a feminist landscape, but interpersonally, we were repeating history. So like, if you look at um, some of these uh, movies about like Gloria Steinem and Betty Friedan and all these other things, like the how fractured those relationships became, yeah. that's mm. kind of what happened with us. Like <clears throat> as, as we started to, okay, the first scene came out and then we'll do a second one, then we'll do a third one, and then we'll do a fourth one. By time, we were really like, oh my God, this is what we're going to be doing like four times a year. We were in a rhythm yeah. and then it became our life. And then once it became our life, like stuff started to like sprinkle in. Like that what? was like, you know, petty jealousies. Oh, um, like okay. I would go out every night to see bands and, you know, the music industry basically funded Bust um, like with advertising and yeah. stuff. And so like I'd see, you know, this publicist or that band or that manager. And then the other co-founder would be out like some days later and go, oh, you do Bust? Do you know Marcel? That she She's amazing. And mm-hmm. then the co-founder would be like, wait, what are you talking about? Is she telling you that she's the founder of best i'm the co-founder so it became like this craziness of of um not being able to uh find a way where there was room for all of us from bbc radio 4 britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip i thought in that moment oh my god we've summoned something from this board this is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The Seven every weekday. So follow The Seven right now. Do you think part of it has to do with um, tasting success? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and being f- afraid it was going to go away. Yeah. And I feel like, because well, I was going to say all those um, things that you're describing seem to come from a place of fear. Like the the your co-founder being like, well, I was doing it too. Like there's a fear underlying there of what, who knows? It could be one of a million things. Yeah, and, and also not to put everything on her, you know, maybe like, I and I was going out every night and maybe I maybe I was doing stuff that was annoying to her right uh, you know but I showed up you just weren't talking about it we weren't talking about it. and then we did go therapy uh oh, and to it, the two of you uh with the third uh with the art director because oh, nice. then she became a partner and then it became two against one almost always oh and then it, it didn't work oh yeah it didn't work sucks. so by the time I had the baby um I went I was the first person in the company because at that at that point we were acquired uh, by a larger company and I had a baby I was the first woman to go on maternity leave so like they didn't even know what to do with that and I came yeah it was run well, by they didn't men. even know what to do uh, oh so when you were acquired you had to go on maternity so what was that conversation like it was horrible like it was horrible like cause, so I knew that uh like we now had offices and we all had our own computers and the co-founder sat behind me so she could see what I was doing all day long. And then sometimes I'd be looking at baby shit because by the time when I came back after having a baby, I, you know, you're, I'd well, be yeah, like I mean, yeah, fucking around sometimes. Well, that's what you and, do during the and, day. Like you, that, and then that takes you back to your work. Like, and that's, she would be like, what are you doing? Uh, you're, you know, and you'd be like, you know what? Fuck you. Yeah. And that's how the cubicle was invented. So you can't see other people's shit. (laughs) Like, fuck you. Like, fuck you. Right. You know, because like, fuck you. Um, And so the (laughs) two of them were already probably having a conversation long before the conversation ever really happened. Mm. And, you know, we went to like coffee and they were like, go. And I was like, Okay, um, and I'm giving you such an abridged version. Right, of course, yeah. Um, well, how long? Okay, so just what the, what's the timeline? Because like, so you're having Ruby when you're like 36 and a half, and like, how what what how old were you when you started Bust? Um, I started Bust in 1993, so just uh, 29. Okay, okay, yeah. So you had so it had been a while. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah, and so. You know, I come back from maternity leave, and I'm still in like baby vibes. Like I'm in, you know, my boobs are so swollen, and you know, yeah. just like not. And how long were you on leave for? Just like three months, you know, three months. Yeah. And I was like, you know, before I had the baby, I was the center of my universe. And all of a sudden that center shifted and it became her. And, you know, just to sustain the life, because, you know, when they're just like a a baby, they're just like, there's nothing happening. (laughs) Got to make sure that they wake up for the feeding. Yeah. Um, So I, you know, when I had the conversation with the two, it didn't it didn't hurt as much uh, until much later because I was like, I have a baby. Yeah, your like, priorities are completely yeah. rearranged. I have a baby. I have a career outside of this. Like, I can I can make money. This okay. is not the end of the line for me. Yeah, yeah. And that is always, as a, as a daughter of a taxi driver, that's always, like, the drive. Like, I have to find a way to make money. Mm. Um, and drive, haha. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so, like, they, they said go. And I went, okay, fine. And um and then uh, then me and the inseminator and the baby went to Hawaii for like three weeks. Did they buy you out though, or there was there was no real buying out because mm. we were owned by another company. Right. So we sold everything we had. And by the way, like we didn't get a lot of money from that deal. Oh, okay, you know? yeah. Uh, um, 
uh, but I was able to still go back to HBO and produce promos and still mm. make a living, a really good living. So like, okay. you know, it wasn't, but, but when that happened, I turned to the inseminator and said, I need a little vacation. My head is like buzzing. And so we went to Hawaii for like three weeks and I rented a house and I just kind of like unwound from seven years of like toxic energy, oh, you know, from yeah. these two women. Yeah, and I feel like toxic energy from women is much more toxic than toxic energy from men. Because like when reason. you start a feminist utopia, like you think, <laughs> you know, and I don't have sisters. So like I thought like these are gonna be my best friends forever. Like these are the women who are gonna be by my side forever. I really, really believed yeah, it. Yeah. And when business start to get in the way of friendship, like it kind of so Well, when you really have to do maintenance along the way. You do. Like when the second something like there's something the riff, it's like you gotta address it or else it's gonna be under the surface and then explode. Yeah, and it and that's kind of what happened. Right. And, and also, I think you know, both me and the co-editor, co-founder, we wanted to continue to be editors, and mm -hmm. she, and she really felt like she should be the editor. Mm. And I was like, no, no, I yeah. don't think so. Yeah. Um, you know, now when I have friends who are in partnerships. Uh, in a threesome, uh, I always say, make sure your roles are defined. Like, yeah, make sure yeah. you each know what the other one, what you're all doing, because like, Otherwise, if you start a, a business, um, someone, someone will always look at someone else and go, I'm doing more work than you, mm. or you're not representing the brand the way you should be. Mm. Um, and you know, you just have to really be very clear about it. And you know, uh, at another time we might have been clear or if we'd had mentors or anybody to like just go okay you three are there are two alphas uh in this relationship so you two need to figure your shit out yeah um and we didn't like that didn't happen to us yeah yeah did you do you ever talk to these people again or i have never spoken to the co-founder i have not spoken to the co-founder since that conversation wow yeah. wow they, they invited me back for some <laughs> anniversary and big I, of them <laughs> I, they invited she me thinks. back to, to for some anniversary and uh i said well am i going to be on stage or in the audience and um and they said oh no in the audience i went no i don't need to be in the audience yeah i, yeah. I go backstage at really big concerts yeah, like, i don't yeah. need to be backstage at a, i don't need to be in an audience yeah yeah of something i built yeah that's yeah. crazy wow. wow 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 so like if we look up on like wikipedia or whatever like are you in the wikipedia article for bust I, my understanding is that i guess um, i could just look myself yeah. but uh it, i probably am I, I probably hope so. am. There's, I hope so. There's, they put out a book a few years ago, and one of my friends uh, picked it up and went, "You know, you're not in the book at all." And oh I'm my like, god, Marcel! You know, yeah. Um, I mean, what are you going to do? I you take legal action, which is like a long, strong out uh, heartache. I also don't care because right. I haven't been involved in it since 2001. Right. Like right, I, right, right. I did the first. 9/11 happened, and you were like, "See ya, gotta go." Yeah. Good, okay, um, so good news. You are like, okay, so like in the first like paragraph where it explains it, where who like who created it you're not there but then right below where it has all the important part parts like who's the editor-in-chief uh who's the founder you are in the list of founders yeah good. there's three good thank you which is good. like the three i'm guessing and also we like, won't say their names also no. like the 
it was really me and the other person who found it. We brought in the one who's now called a co-founder. We brought her in at the fourth issue. That was Spinderella to your salt and pepper. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) you you can be, you know, you should be a partner because you're doing as much as we are. She was laying out, like she was designing those books, like she was designing them. So like, it seemed to me very fair that she should be a full-fledged partner. And then that made her more invested. Sure, yeah. You know, when she would have to give up her nights uh, to lay out that magazine, like she did it willingly as opposed to like right you know, have yeah. you found yourself uh since that experience working with women on something like feminist centered uh like on any given project i've not ever stepped away from women-centered projects like i'm now working on a master's in women and gender studies oh shit yeah oh, like that's so my exciting. cohort i love my cohort they are just oh i just love them so much and it's also so nice like to be on this side of like feminist scholarship and just like unpacking stuff and Every so often we'll talk about third wave and I'll be like, ooh. Well, can you explain <laughs> to us the third wave? Like, a- So um, when we talk about the waves of feminism, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's when like new leadership shows up or new, or new ideology, mm. not, not like are men and women of equal value. That's not the question. It's like new ways of tackling right. feminism. Right. Kind so, of. Like, so like when Betty Friedan wrote The Feminine Mystique, you know, the problem, no name, I'm a housewife, I'm a white housewife in the burbs. And, um, you know, she un- she unravels like this simmering in the 60s and you get the second wave, you know, and and then, you know, you have um, uh, like all this other stuff happening with like uh, um, Elaine Brown and Angela Davis and Kimberly mm. Crenshaw and mm-hmm. Audre Lorde and all these women who are like, wait, this is not a, a white like they're this is not inclusive. It's yeah. not inclusive. Women. And, yeah. You, you have know, to represent all women. And so you have this huge conversation and and and, you know, and and everybody has uh, particularly in second wave, the, the underlying tension was the personal is political, the personal is not political. Like, uh, I don't want to be your housewife. I want to be a working woman. But there's other stuff like from from a black woman's perspective right, or, yeah. or an Asian women's perspective. So 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 second wave is kind of really linked into the feminine mystique and the 60s and what was happening uh, in the world at the time. And then and not even to talk about what's happening globally. Right. Um, just like just only talking about America. Mm-hmm. And then third wave, you know, so you have the 70s and you know Gloria is now the face of second wave. She starts uh, Gloria Steinem Gloria so she Angela, starts yeah. she starts Ms. Magazine mm-hmm. and Well, and her and Angela were like side by side, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and Angela Davis actually did, has done a lot of work in 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 like prison reform and stuff yeah. like that. You know, so she kind of re like she moved her uh, lens somewhere else and you right. know, she's a professor and um and and like in the early 90s again like so much was happening um uh you know punk rock uh ner- um grunge yeah um, and like i said Fucking. before clinton rodney king like all this stuff is happening and you had this third wave kind of come into play of uh feminists who are like i want to wear lipstick and i want to be in charge when yeah. i'm fucking you and like all yeah this other yeah stuff. i want to like, be sexy whatever that is to me like and s- in charge sex be- sex sex and sexual pleasure became the conversation mm. as opposed to like uh, don't touch me right now. Right, you know, right. Like, I, you know, I want to be in in this. You know, with, um, so I kind of like once I had the baby and sort of embraced raising her and being a working woman and you know being a corporate person. Um, I kind of like 
took my eyes off the ball a little bit, but I know that in the late aughts, a fourth wave kind of uh, um, evolved and the conversation was really digital, like mm. uh, body shaming, slut shaming, um, mm -hmm. that kind of, that language. And I, and I don't have um, like a mastery of that language because I, again, like I took my eye off the ball, but like now that I'm doing the masters and every so often, like it'll come up, I'll be like, what, 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 mm -hmm. what happened? <laughs> um, so yeah, so anyway, so to answer your question, like I haven't really left. Um, I Sometimes I take the eye off the ball. I do also think like my work in raising a daughter and instilling feminist values in her and then like anytime like one of her little friends would, you know, come around just being like, the future is female. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Just like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, this is a 10 minute warning. Uh, how do you infuse feminism on your daughter? Because you have a lovely young lady that you've raised. Thank you um, very much. Who really has a good head on her shoulders. And you, I like I when I think of Ruby, I go, that's a, a young woman who can handle herself, who can get the resources. Like I feel like she's very bold in getting her own resources when she needs them. Like she's really on top of like her own needs in this way that I think is so beautiful that I, whoa, God, I, 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 I'm so, um, not envious, but like I'm really excited to see a younger woman like just kind of take her own, the charge of her own life in that way. So what were those conversations that you've had with her like? I, I think, thank you very much for saying all that. It really just makes me just like another Yiddish term, reclamped. <laughs> <laughs> um, she, I think, She's an observer. She's like you are. She's a stand-up comic. So like you're you're constantly looking at the world through a lens of critique and yeah. you know, you're questioning and you're trying to it's not just chasing the joke, but like it's trying to figure out what what, what the social angers me. Yeah. What yeah. And I think observing me has been her has been that conversation. Like I work my ass off. You know, sometimes I work two jobs and um, you know, now I, I have a full time job and I'm also doing a master's and I've just come out with a book. Like she's always watching me like not, your not be idle. Like in mm -hmm. a lot in a, through a lot of my fifties I couldn't find a, a job job. And so she watched me struggle through like, you know, dealing with um, ageism and confronting that and trying to um, work within a system that doesn't appreciate a woman in her 50s like mm. so i think mm -hmm. a lot of that a lot of what she's learned is from watching and observing um and you know always having the conversation of like if a boy can do the monkey ring so can a girl like right. when she was expert of the day in kindergarten like you know she was she came in and talked about feminism yeah you know like, <laughs> oh, that's great yeah. of course yeah. she and, did. And, and it was it was literally like this is what feminine if you can do the monkey ring, so can i if you can knit so can i like yeah. it was just like we are we are of equal value right yeah. oh that's beautiful yeah. now speaking of your book yes getting over max cooper can you summarize this first this is a fiction book uh that you wrote and it's out available now for purchase right uh, uh yeah as officially of, yep as Yay. of this episode airing yeah right. as as this episode airing. right yeah give us a little it. bit about uh, a little taste of of the book and why you wrote it so i um as a mom, uh, when I would read stories to my daughter, I didn't see female-centered stories. Like you saw Olivia the pig when, you know, maybe when she's three or four, but there wasn't a lot. So I would write these little stories and tell them to her. And so by the time she got to be around 10, I was writing longer stories. Um, I wrote this in 2015. I was, uh, at that point, I was like, I'm just gonna write books now and she's gonna <laughs> read them. And yeah. she didn't, but you know. <laughs> and she wrote her own book too. <laughs> And, um, but I wrote this because um, 
one, I wanted, I wanted to be a writer, but um, I, I, for most of my daughter's childhood, we would go to Fire Island for the summer. And I would watch these beautiful sun-kissed teenagers just ride their bikes and just have all this autonomy. And yeah, I was freedom. just like, I wonder what your lives are like. And yeah. so I started, I, I got, that's where I got the idea, mm. just watching these teenagers, even before mine was. And, and then I started writing this book and it's about uh, a pair of best friends who um, hang out with this friend group of, in Fire Island. They're sun-kissed. They're riding their bicycles all day long. Um, they're falling for people. Mm -hmm. They're just like having their lives. But, um, you know, it's also an investigation of the ethics of care. Um, when your best friends, uh, how do you care for someone who's in crisis? How do you look out for yourself when your friend is in crisis? Um, mm. What are what are those ethics? Can you can you walk away from somebody who's in trouble? Um, and so this really kind of explores that. It and the, that's a symptomatic reading of it. The overall reading is like it's euphoria on the beach. Oh yeah, <laughs> okay. There you go. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and then I, I wanted to go back quickly to ageism because I think that's a big problem, and we don't have enough uh, women over like forty on this show. And it's not it's not because we don't try. It's just harder um, to get that age group in. I think, and especially when you have to explain like what guys we fucked is. <laughs> it's a whole thing. Um, but it's definitely something that you see a lot, especially. And mostly I feel like it's because of technology, but like just because someone doesn't know how to use Instagram doesn't mean that they don't have like a ton of valuable things to bring to the table. Um, so can you kind of go over why you, you felt you had trouble getting a job in your in your 50s? What uh, younger women should look out for before pushing older women, yeah, women out of jobs? You women know? get better with age and it is such a shame uh, to the way that the society functions towards women aging because uh, it's quite the opposite of what actually happens and it's a real disservice. Well, and it does feel like there is like a war between, you know, quote unquote, younger women and older women. And I even what? feel it in stand up when I'm doing it. Um, like women, um, uh, like I would say 50 and over are probably the most difficult people to make laugh and it's because like they have an unwarranted anger towards young women and, and women don't all and younger women don't respect older women so it's like just back and forth and I'm, and I'm just like i'm on your side don't be mad at me <laughs> it's it's a combination of this right yeah. so like um when you're dating like or actually let me backtrack in in an office situation right if you're not fuckable you're not taken seriously which ah. is the craziest but when you are fuckable this, people just want to fuck you exactly so it's like is that being taken seriously it's a it's it's a double-edged sword so like uh i was sexually harassed at a job for mm. years uh, until i squashed it but like that guy would only hit on uh young women who are attractive and somehow me in my 50s i got hit on by him and it was like oh so you this is my validation you think i'm fuckable that's interesting like leave me alone but anyway um so there's a there's a couple of things uh dating dating apps uh i can't get a date because i'm over 50 not fuckable um right i mean i i didn't know everyone was lying about their age like even in your 30s like i mean being over 35 uh i should have lied when i went on there because everyone is lying so if everyone's lying just to keep neck and neck with people you have to lie yeah and and you know and maybe sometimes i would play with my age but sure but this but if i if the if five is in my age i'm not gonna get 
any matches with anybody. I remember when I came over to your apartment, you were showing me the app that you were on at the time. We were looking at all the like famous oh, people yeah, on yeah, it. That yeah, was Raya. hilarious. <laughs> but that would never happen for me as a woman in my 50s, even though like there were some real legendary rockers on there. Um, but anyway, <laughs> so ageism. Ageism is something that happens uh, at a point in a woman's life. Also happens to men, but I'm not really concerned about them. No, they, happens, or they're fine. Happens in a woman's life like... Uh, in in a work situation maybe um where she's no longer of value right um and it could be that like fuckable value fuckable really value. is what we're talking about um it could be like that her face is like not taut like mm -hmm. i don't have any botox this is what i look like right um but if my face were taut i would be i would look like i'm 45 you know and right maybe, right so anyway so when i was like interviewing for jobs like i would get a call from hr because my resume is impressive but then they would see what i would look like and go she could be 45 or she could be 55. She's not 65. Right. I'm not sure. Did they ask you ever? Um, I was once on a job interview. Isn't it illegal to ask? It's, I was once yeah. on a job interview where a woman who was 35, who told me she was 35, uh, said to me, <sighs> I'm 35. <laughs> how would you like, uh, how are you going to feel working with my, working alongside my babies? And I was like, ba what? Uh, huh? What'd you say? And she was like, um, well, most of my staff are in their 20s and, you know, clearly you're not. And I was like, oh, I'm not getting this job, am I? You know, like, it, or you're, I was up for another Weird. job interview where the woman brought me back like several times and then ended up hiring somebody for the same job, uh, like four years out of college, you know, mm. and you start to see this pattern of like who you lose the job to. Yeah. You know, oh, right. And yeah. that's when you start to like, when this is when you start to see um, ageism really in play. Yeah. Like, who you lost the job you're to. You're completely missing the value in living life more than everybody else. Like there's so much value in that. Yeah. There's so much. There's also, I have, I still have so much to offer. Right. You know, I'm, you have more knowledge. Like your knowledge is unique. Well, because you think an ideal team, I think people of all different ages and all different ethnicities. Right. And then everyone has like their area of expertise. Because like, yes, I'm not going to pretend that you don't need someone who knows how to fucking nail a TikTok. Yeah, we even hired someone yeah. who taught us TikTok who was 10 years younger than us. Yeah. Uh, that Very being helpful. said, uh, they don't have any life experience. And then there's the same people yeah. writing in dumb bitch emails They're to pussies. us. <laughs> so it's like, you know, right? take the go with the bat. You know? So, uh, you know, okay. So that happens. And then then and so I think too, like in stand up, you know, uh, as mm. you get older, you get a little harder, you know, so maybe like that's where the energy is coming right. from, you know, like, yeah. you know, life gets harder as you get older, uh, your body starts to hurt. Sure. Um, you know, you as a woman, like when you're in your 20s and 30s, like you get hit on all the time, people woohoo at you, you know, it doesn't happen as much and you start to miss it. Don't really, I miss it. I fought <laughs> against it. Why am right, I missing right, it? Right, right, right. But you know, yours, you, I women, turn, yeah. women start to get erased at some point. Yeah, I'm not for sure. sure. I'm not sure what that point is, if it's actually 45 or is it 51? But when mm -hmm. I got, when in 51, I found myself unemployed, my friend said to me, you are not going to find another job. Oh, that's you a work, good friend. You work, <laughs> you work in a youth market and they're looking for people younger. Mm. And I was like, no, that's not right. Yeah. I'm gonna find a job, yeah, and I did. Exactly, you don't accept that, yeah. but that's that's what it takes. Yeah. It takes you to not accept that in the face of a friend telling you this, and it's like, oh, <laughs> okay. And she told me that because she was in her 50s. Right, and I'm sure she, she was, was projecting her, yeah. her own experience, yeah. which is, you know, everybody's opinion is yeah. them projecting their own experience. 
And so that's why I went and got a, uh, and that's why I'm working on a master's because I need a, I would like to have a plan B. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I would like to teach uh, women's studies, women and gender studies to women and men uh, and anybody else. Um, on the college level. Yeah. Yeah. Facilitating these conversations. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For people. Oh, and then lastly, I don't know if we, you're comfortable talking about this. So if not, we can bleep it out. But uh, you're friends with Yoko Ono. Can we talk about this or no? <laughs> Who's I'm, that? I'm not friends with her. Oh, okay. I'm friends with her children. Oh. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Sean. So when. He's so hot. He, he's, and he's an. Uh, like a doll. Oh, um, so he's in, so handsome. In the 90s, when um, it just like he was in my social circle, and cool. when it turned out I was pregnant, um, I bumped into him at Shopsons, which was like this corner, like yeah, the the, the restaurant. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, I saw the documentary about Shopsons. <laughs> it's it was so, so sweet. So sweet, yeah. right? Um, well, so that used to be like where I went, had lunch or oh, dinner, or whatever, cool. and and see my friend. And he said, you know, my sister just had a baby. I'd like to hook you up with her, like connect you with her. Mm -hmm. So he Sean had, said that. Yeah. So he introduced me to his sister. And that wait, began, they, oh, I didn't even know he had a sister um, because Yoko had a had a child from yeah. the marriage before. With oh, John I see. Okay, yeah, it, so so well, that's how I know them, and uh, cool. we've been in each other's lives. Because I was wow. a child that Yoko wasn't allowed to see for quite some time, right? Because I learned, I I became really really interested in Yoko Ono's story from uh, the C Word podcast by Lena oh, Dunham yeah, and Alyssa Bennett, uh, because there is such this negative narrative about Yoko, and you know that she broke up the Beatles, and then when you listen to the story, it's like she no, was she fucking didn't being abused in various ways through by various people throughout time. And and so that's what really like made me want to uh, learn more about her and her story. And it's fascinating and like kind of like one of the people uh, that history is all wrong about for sure. She's mm. a, such a generous person. Yeah. I went up to her farm uh, when the when um, our kids were really little and she looked at uh, me and her daughter from across the table and she went, I'm so happy to know you and to see how you are as mothers and Aww. you know just like she was gentle so generous soul. and yeah very well gentle. the way her art is yeah. and the, what she wanted to come across in her art i remember when i learned about her i got i felt so like guilty in a way of like wow this narrative about her fucking with up the beatles is pushed so hard that like i didn't even give a shit about the beatles that i knew about that narrative I well mean, and they had already decided to break up that's the thing like the, right. if you actually look at the timeline the beatles were already just had already decided to break up before john and yoko even met right and you look at the documentary and you can see that yeah. the disney and but this is the narrative that's built on women like yeah you know, like yeah you're you're the person that We're broke the it up you're, you're as the if we have that power we yeah. wish yeah. you know yeah because <laughs> trust me we wouldn't use it for that right. i wouldn't use it to break up the beatles i'd use it for something better yeah <laughs> insane well that's thank you incredible. so much for being here today oh, yes uh, and thanks for paving the way i mean appreciate to the girl. story about bust i mean it's obviously like well if that hadn't come things like guys we fucked wouldn't exist yeah so thank you thank you Marcia. um for doing that and i'm glad that you're in wikipedia oh um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> thank uh, you definitely pick up getting over max cooper is there a place where it would be best for people to buy from like uh, your website or um, it's it's uh, online at all of the places. At and you don't Target, have a preferred Amazon. way, just anyway. Anyway, it's good. getting uh, over it's Max at your Cooper. Local bookstore. Um, support the local bookstores. But yeah. it's also at the at, you know at the the big the big, the big ones. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you so much. This thank has you, been thank guys. You, we fucked the anti slut shaming podcast. We will talk to you oh, next Friday. Yeah. 
Guys We Fucked is presented by Luminary. Created and hosted by Corinne Fisher and Christina Hutchinson. Editing and music coordination by Mike Coscarelli. Theme song by Rob Patterson and Jake Cozen. Suck my wet ass pussy. <laughs> Christina said to cut that before, but now it's in there. Yeah, let's keep it. Who cares? See me. Don't see me.